Hello, and welcome to episode 181 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. A warm welcome to Jamie S., Karnan K., Glenn L., and James T. to The Modern Manager community. And a warm welcome to all the new listeners and longtime listeners to the show. I hope you will consider how becoming a member can help you further develop your management skills. Memberships start at $5 per month. And if you're really up for some support, join us at the level that includes our twice per month group coaching and Q&A calls. This is where we hop on a Zoom together and we tackle the questions and challenges that you're facing. You get to hear from me, but also from other community members. So everyone gets to share their advice and we all get to learn together. Learn more and join at themodernmanager.com slash join. Now, today's guest is Dr. Tom Tonkin. Tom is an award-winning researcher, author, and CEO and founder of the Conservatory Group with 25 years of experience in corporate America under his belt. Tom's organization provides high-touch services to business executives that want to improve themselves, their teams, and their environment. Tom is also involved at an executive level in two organizations with DE&I at the forefront, SAMI and Diversity, Equity, Inclusion. Tom and I talk about variations in how our brains work and the different styles and how that impacts how we collaborate with our team members, how our brains like to learn, and a whole lot more. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. It is a pleasure to have you today, Tom. I'm looking forward to our conversation because we're going to get into some really exciting stuff around brains and how, how we work and how we are wired differently. So uh, I'm, I'm just excited to talk with you. Maybe it's a pleasure. It's been, it's, we rescheduled this a few times. So I was looking forward to this call for quite some time. All right. Well, let's just jump right in here and talk about ways where the way that we're wired or kind of our natural tendencies don't always align so well. Kind of just how different styles or seemingly different styles can cause challenges for us. Yeah. So the part of my work, I I work with salespeople, I work with executives, and uh, they're always trying to achieve something. That's the what. It's like, how do I you know, what, what process are we going to do and what model are we going to do? It, just think of your day on a, on, a, on, a, on a daily basis, the stuff that's coming through email. And a lot of people get caught up on the what, the model, the thing I'm going to go do. And what I do is I spend a lot of time on the self-directed aspects of people's day. And, and let me be very clear from a, a, a neuroscience perspective. So we all know that we have two parts of the brain. Again, this is the the meta parts, right? The the cognitive, where all the knowledge goes into, and the affective, where all the emotional stuff goes to. And they get fed constantly all the time. There's a third part that's a lesser known part. And this might be a good time for people to jot down things and, and get ready to Google something. But there's a part of the brain called the conative brain. And what the conative brain does in layman's term It is the accelerator of knowing what to do and then doing it. And there are four different characteristics of our brain. There's a desire, there's an initiative, a persistence, and a resourcefulness that all live in the cognitive brain. And the idea for you to be able to execute what you know 
is by increasing each of those behaviors, the desire, the resourcefulness, the initiative, and the persistence. I'm a, a behaviorist by trade, and the good news is all four of those things can get improved through training or through self-awareness is a really important part. My advice has always been to do assessments in these areas because assessments are objective. They don't care about your feelings. And, and it gives you an insight to your brain that potentially you may not have to actually be able to execute, you know, being an individual contributor, being a manager. So what I'm hearing, it sounds similar, I think, to executive functioning skills. Is that the cognitive brain or is that something different? That's well, it's it's. It, it, you're in the zip code, but they're, they're, it's apples and oranges. So the executive function, which is now let's talk about the brain itself, is the prefrontal cortex. So the cortex in general and the prefrontal is where the judgment and the, uh, the ability to discern good and bad, that kind of stuff. Because the cortex in general is where all the knowledge resides, kind of in the front of your brain. And then there's the effective part, which is kind of in the middle of your brain, Specifically, it's the limbic system, things that are in the limbic system. What I find interesting is that when we try to teach managers or we try to teach individual contributors different skills, we, we tend to make a big mistake. And so here's a punchline for everybody to listen to. So we have things called hard skills and we have things called soft skills. Those are overused terms, but they're good categories right now for our discussion. Hard skills are those things that you do with things. And soft skills are things you do with people, right? Those are big categories. Now, here's, here's the interesting part. The things that you do with things lend themselves to the prefrontal cortex. The things you do with people lend themselves to the limbic system, different part of the brain. Here is a huge disconnect. What we do when we try to teach people soft skills, things we do with people, we use hard skill methods. So, Maybe this is true in your brain. You are, these things are in different parts of your brain, and they have different pathways to your brain. So it's like going you know, from New York, right, where you are, you, you know, using a boat to get to New Jersey, right? I mean, it's, maybe you get a little piece, but you know, eventually you have to get into a car. It's the same kind of way because what we're trying to do is we're trying to take pathways to our limbic system that are wired for our prefrontal cortex. And that's why soft skills are sometimes so difficult to train because we're actually using the wrong method. Whoa, this sounds like very intense. Can you give us an example of a soft skill that we're, that, you know, it's a pretty common one. And then the way that we typically approach it compared to the way that we should be approaching it. Yeah, let's, let's do that. So as a executive coach and trainer, my phone does not ring from somebody that says, Tom, I'm really having a hard time teaching people how to program. That, that never shows up. What shows up, and I'm sure it shows up in your phone, is people that need you know, leadership training, talk, you know, uh, difficult conversations, rapport building, right? These are all the soft skills, right? Those are the kinds of phone calls that I get. And what happens is when we do hard skills training, it's, potentially it's online, it's a, it's a video, it's a book, course that I might take online, a thing would I do with the thing? Because if that is true, if I'm learning something to do with something, that thing is also going to give me the feedback. It's going to tell me what to do is right or wrong. And it's, it works great, right? That this is not a problem. So then 
what people do is go, well, if it works great there, it probably works great with soft skills. And so I'm going to learn rapport building online, right? I'm going to read a book. <laughs> I'm going to do all of the same kind of models. And then I'm going to sit in front of somebody and try to build rapport and try to remember what page 27 said. And, and next thing you know, how come this isn't working? <laughs> you know, it worked for learning how to you know, develop programs. How come it's not working for me to build rapport? Well, because those models that you use to learn how to code are not the same vehicles to open up your limbic system and get some of those soft skills in your brain. Oh, I'm imagining now as managers, right, the conversations that we're having with our team members and their professional development and saying, okay, you need to get better at time management or you need to get better at speaking up in meetings and sharing your, sharing your thoughts and then trying to help them figure out how do I learn those things. It sounds like we should not be saying, well, go read a book or find an online class. So <laughs> What, what should we be saying in those cases? <laughs> well, again, following the same logic that I laid out, if hard skills are things with things, then it's the thing that's going to show you how to do it. It's the thing that's going to give you feedback. If soft skills are things I do with people, then it's the people that are going to give you the feedback. It's the people that are going to tell you whether right or wrong. So things like role plays are, are, are really good. Now, there's a there's a specific part of role plays, two ingredients that have to be part of the role play for this thing to actually work. One, there should be no psychological safety. And two, you should be able to change the context. Because what happens is when we do role plays of, say, a difficult conversation, but I know, maybe that you and I are role playing and you're going to feed me a line, and then I'm going to feed you a line, and then you're going to say the right thing, and then I'm going to say the right thing, we're still, we're still in the prefrontal cortex world. We're just going exchanging knowledge. But if I am not sure exactly what you're going to say or how I'm going to say it, or maybe I'm doing this in front of people where there is no psychological safety, that our people are going to walk away with you know, an impression of me. Or maybe you change the context. Yeah, maybe you thought you were going to have a difficult conversation, but guess what? We're not going to have a difficult conversation. We'd have some other kind of conversation. That takes me off guard. Now I've got to start thinking about how do I mitigate that and manage that? And how do I feel about it? And guess what? You're learning. You are learning right then and there. And if you do that over and over and over, you're going to learn that soft skill. And People shy away from that because guess what? It's, it's scary. It's, it's nerve-wracking because of what I just laid out. So let me pause and get your reaction on that. No, it makes so much sense. I mean, I think we don't use practice enough, right? Like we, we talk about practice when we were kids and how important it was to practice your instrument or practice your sport. And it sounds like the best way that our brains are wired to get better at soft skills is through practice. And as managers, we can create space to do that. We can do that role-playing. We can create those contexts. We can help find the right resources who can, if we can't, the who can then be supportive and provide opportunities to engage in that, those ways. So it, it makes a lot of sense. And I want to I wanna shift gears a little bit before we get to the very, very end, because I'm wondering about the clash of styles that can come up between people who have different sets of yes. skills or different approaches. So can you talk a little bit about 
that element of how how managers need to interact with their team members? Yeah, that's a, that's actually that's a great point. So in, in my research uh, around self-directedness, and by the way, we go back to those four elements and and hard skills and soft skills. You know, put that all in the big pot, stir it around. You end up having right now what there are like four types. Everything from people that are not directed, right? People that need guidance and 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 hand holding, all the way to highly self-directed autonomous people and there's a couple levels in between and and we can assess that and and be able to give scores and that kind of thing so you kind of have understand what it is and it's got by the way this is all learned as a matter of fact i can get on my soapbox and talk about how for the last 16 years of your life meaning from kindergarten to maybe the fourth year of college you have been wired to be directed you go to school people tell you what to do they tell you what you have to do to get an a you know, we are actually wiring our students how to be dependent learners. And then we expect them to be self-starters on their first year. We like self-starters. We like, you know, those that are outgoing. And it's like, well, for the last 16 years, all I've been doing is being a dependent learner. So the problem comes, you know, so we get people into that space. Let's say they uh, are now mature and now they're across the different spectrums. Here's the other problem is that managers, and this specifically, I'm talking about line managers. Line managers have certain styles as well, meaning they can be everything from what I call an authoritarian or a kind of somebody that is more uh, specific about giving instruction, all the way to a manager that uh, is more like a resource, uh, a, 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 an advisor to their employees. And there's four levels there as well. And so the challenge is, is that let's say you had 12 employees and let's say you're your manager and let's say uh, that each one of these four levels of self-direction are, are even. That's not necessarily the case, but for math purposes, let's go there. Three people are highly dependent. Three people are very uh, self-directed. And then you've got the, the other six somewhere in between. You as a manager, though, you're, you're only one type. You, you lend yourself to one of those four manager types. And so, therefore, you're going to totally click with one of those, you know, or a group of three people, right? You're going to align, you're going to like them, you're going to feel good about it. And then the other nine, you're going to have varied relationships. And then, of course, all the way to the fringe, those are the ones that you're probably going to say things like, well, they don't get it. They're, they're not collaborative. You're going to start trying to paint a picture on why it is that you're not able to relate with them and get them to do something. And so there's the problem. It's not that the folks on your team are lazy or obstinate or whatever term you're going to come up is the fact that you have a mismatch of relationship between how you manage and how they learn or how they direct themselves at work. So I want to reflect back because I think what I'm hearing is that for managers who really like to have control and really like to be directive, they are a good match for team members who really like to be directed. Correct. And managers who are really independent, self-directed individuals, they prefer working with people who are also really independent and self-directed. And of course, everything in between. And some of this seems like it is built into us or kind of taught into us yes. <laughs> over time based on our life experiences in school, in work environments, et cetera. And some of it is how we're wired and how our brains 
naturally function and what makes us feel solid and and good in the work that we do. Exactly. I mean, I want to make sure that everything that I've said up until now can be changed, unlearned and taught and taught differently. The problem is, are, are you aware of those things as an individual that that you can increase your desire, uh, your self-directness in general, right? Can you increase your resourcefulness? Is that a problem, right? Do you even know that that's a problem, right? It's, right? It's, it's so abstract at some point. And what I'm trying to do, and that's part of my work, is to not make it as abstract, to make it tangible and accessible to others so they can change it and they can uh, feel good about themselves. I will say that our educational system in this country, as well as other countries, make us dependent learners. And that basically, there's a whole historical thing I can dump on you that all started in the early 1900s, because we decided, and basically the bottom line is we decided that the assembly line was good enough for widgets, it's good enough to teach people. And that's really where all that came from. How do I get all 13-year-olds in one class? How do I teach them all the same thing? And then after they're 14, I move them to the next class and I teach them all the same thing. It becomes this assembly line of learning, which creates inherently a dependent learner. And then they get jettisoned out to the real world, where the real world is expecting you to be more self-directed. Wow, we got a lot of stuff to change in the world. (laughs) Yeah, we do. All right. So last question here on this topic. When it comes to helping our team members who have a different style from us, well, first I should say, is there a style for managers that is preferential? So if I'm now reflecting and going, oh, wow, I think I'm more of the like a lot of control, want to be in the weeds with my team members, want to give direction. And do I need to be thinking like, hmm, maybe I need to move myself along to a more self-directed spot on the spectrum? And then secondly, what do I do with my team members for whom I have a style that is not so in sync with their style? Like, should I be helping my team members who themselves are asking for a lot of guidance or kind of waiting for a lot of input and help them become more self-directed? So I come from the school of strength-based development. So the idea is know your strengths, right? There's There's an aspect of awareness of where you fit, who you are, right? And again, there's lots of assessments out there that you can take to figure out where you are and then be the best of that that you can be and then mitigate your weaknesses, right? Try to, you know, find help, try to get your peers to give you some pointers, become transparent with those outside of your direct sort of coverage, if you will. For example, if you're someone that likes direct people and the the dependent people gravitate to you, go to those self-directed people and say, "How, how is it that I can help you? Like you tell me, because that's actually an easy one, because self-directed people will tell you exactly what they need and and then just comply and, and, and try to get help. And by the way, reciprocity here works really well. Your peers have a different style than you do. And now I'm talking about managers. So you can help your peers in your style while they can help you in their style. My view of it is it is a waste of time and energy to try to be something that you're not. It is a tremendous amount of goodness to be the best of who you are. So that's why I'm saying I'm a strength-based guy as far as how is it that I would self-develop. I am really glad that you said that because 
you know, people are often asking me, like, do I need to change over my whole system? Do I have to like totally do this other thing this other way? And I'm like, no, if it's working for you, you don't have to totally change it. Like take what's working and be your best self and then figure out how to adjust along the edges so that you can work more effectively with other people, right? It's not that you have to become a different person. So I think this is a great place for us to start to wrap up. So Tom, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person so fantastic? His name is Jeff Young. I don't know if Jeff Young will be listening, but Jeff, I, I I'd obviously uh, was, uh, well, I was, I was in my mid thirties. I didn't know anything that I just told you in the last half hour, right? I, I did. I wasn't that aware of all this, right? And all I know is he got me and he got me for a couple of reasons. And he really challenged me to become a better version of myself. And does he know that that's what I needed? I don't know, but he did. And I, I am a absolutely better person and a more aware person and a highly developed person because of Jeff. Mm, sounds amazing. Yep. And where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? So my claim to fame is that if you uh, type in my name in Google, Tom Space Tonkin, my, the whole front page, it will be me of different places I've spoken. It's not because uh, I'm some sort of super famous person as I probably have an unusual name and I know how Google algorithms work. So I've been able to use that to my advantage, LinkedIn, obviously. But the one thing that I want to leave your listeners with is I have, I'm a Voxer user. I use Voxer. I don't know if you're familiar with that tool, but it's kind of like a asynchronous recorded voicemail walkie-talkie and it's free. And if you go to Voxer and type in Dr. Tom Tonkin, DR, Tom Tonkin, all one word, and you send me a message, I will reply because I'm trying to reduce the barriers of conversation with people. And that's one way that I found to be really, really helpful. Sometimes people just have a question and they just want to know. I'm just, uh, I'm out speaking to my self-directed brethren out there. Got a question, hit me up on Voxer and I'll give you an answer immediately. Oh, that is such a gracious offer. And also I want to just say for people like uh, my daughter for whom writing is still challenging. Being able to ask a question verbally to a guest is just a, a real gift to not have to send them an email and type it out and explain it all perfectly in three sentences. So thank you again for being a guest today and for sharing all your wisdom with us. Uh, it's been my pleasure, Mimi. I hope to do it again. Take care. Tom is providing special resources on self-direction and self-directed learning to members of the Modern Manager community. To get these resources and other member resources like episode guides, additional podcast content, and so much more, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And be sure to check out the various membership levels so that you get access to the right resources to support your professional growth. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rockstar boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player 
and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.